And we're back with the Hammer Podcast. That's right, Hammerheads. It's Hammer Time. And we're here, back in the saddle, with half our theological brains tied behind our back, just to give the Arminians a fighting chance. <laughs> now, today, you might have to endure a little bit of suffering as we march into the topic. But on Sunday, Pastor Mike, you had talked about preparing to share in Christ's sufferings. You even touched on testosterone. Now, I, I think this might be the first time that you've ever talked about testosterone levels in a sermon. Oh, it was definitely the first time. <laughs> it was the first time. But, you know, maybe hopefully it's the last time. I don't know. <laughs> Shall we not digress? But let me begin by asking you, why did you feel compelled to preach about persecution and, and sharing in Christ's sufferings. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you know, first of all, you know, getting back to the testosterone, somebody asked me after the uh, service, they said, well, are you going to, are you going to mention estrogen anytime soon in the sermon? And I said, absolutely not. I don't know much about that. And I don't want to know much about that. Uh, yeah, we're going to keep the, the gender roles uh, very clear here. We don't need to know about estrogen. Yeah. So, yeah. So why, why did I feel compelled? Well, I, I think, um, you know, besides the fact of the the Lord, I believe, uh, putting it in my heart uh, to go in that direction, um, I would say that the, the thinking, you know, what was going through my mind, uh, and hopefully it was the Holy Spirit uh, leading in that, was, was that I myself need to think more about this, know more about this, and... Um, I think all of us by extension do and, right. and given the context as I tried to mention in our in the sermon given the context of where we are I think it's uh in our own culture and society I think it's helpful to think about this and and know about it and certainly for parents to begin to at least broach the subject with their children I mean I don't know that parents uh Christian parents ever really talk about it with their children so just at least to mention it right Right. And I think, um, you know, I remember going through portions of Fox's Book of Martyrs with my children, uh, you know, as a family throughout the years. Um, not as much as I wish I had, but, you know, but I think I think that helped yeah. uh, us think about that and uh, to be serious about the Christian life. Right. And to know that it's not. You know, we're not going to Andy Stanley this thing where the world's going to love us. They're just not. Every day's and, a Friday. Right. And if they do, right, we've got to, like John Wesley, we've got to stop our horse and jump off and ask, what's going on? Why does the world like me? Right. Uh, why am I not being persecuted? Right. Why well, I think of Jesus' words when he says, woe to you when all men think well of you. Yes. Um, but, yeah, the, just preparing your family to suffer because as, what is it, Peter, he said, you know, don't be surprised. When yeah, these fiery right. trials come upon you. That's right. right. There's an anticipation that this is how it's going to go down. Right. Exactly. And, and if we're thinking with a biblical mindset, we won't be surprised. Right. Right. Well, that's good. Okay. Well, so what was this fascinating point that you made regarding the intentional lowering of testosterone 
in our society. And, you know, maybe to expand that a little bit more, how does that relate to the whole toxic masculinity narrative? Yeah, yeah sure. Well, you know, first of all, let's start out with the facts. Uh, there is this, this is not just some conspiracy uh, idea that testosterone levels are down. Th mm -hmm. This is uh, whether somebody's liberal, conservative, whatever, uh, you, you can find plenty of research out there that without question over the last 20 years, uh, the testosterone level has uh, dipped rapidly, mm -hmm. uh, most specifically over the last, you know, 20 years. I mean, they'll, they'll tell you that it, it, it's been dipping for decades, but for whatever reason, the last 20 years, it's just gone off a cliff. All right, now, so that is a fact. Right. Okay, now we can get into why this is and, and so forth, and, and is there a political agenda behind it. Uh, I definitely think there is, but we'll save that for another time. What matters is that it is happening. Mm -hmm. uh, we should recognize it's happening. Uh, and, and certainly, uh, it's, there are certain chemicals, uh, in, as I say, shampoo and other things that we ingest in our bodies and all right. that, that the FDA has approved that interestingly enough, over, even in the UK, right. they won't allow. It's a fascinating point. So you wonder, right. you know, we always think they're looser over there and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, so, so you wonder why. Mm -hmm. What's what's going on with that? Well, of course, we understand that uh, you've got money changing hands behind the scenes and and going into, you know, the coffers of the politicians. And I'm talking about Republicans and Democrats, mm -hmm. not just Democrats. The uniparty. Uh, yeah, the, the turtle, uh, <laughs> Mitch. So but yeah, I mean, so so that uh. so it and who knows what all is happening behind the scenes with that. But we know a lot of that is at play, right? Sure. Um. So we, so I just think it's good for us to know and understand. And see, the thing is that that changes the way you perceive things and the way you think. You know how much testosterone you have. This is why men and women, right? What was that book years ago? I never read it, but you know, one's from Mars, one's from Venus. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. need to read the book. <laughs> To, to know that women are different. Uh, I'm married, dude. So, yeah. you know, don't need a book, man. Got right. 25 years of uh, Chronicles. So, yes. Uh, there. But so, uh, but yeah, and we are different. But part of that difference is because uh, our bodies are, are the sexes that God has made, right? And again, I hate using the word gender because that is a grammatical term, mm -hmm. right? You have masculine, you have feminine, and you have uh, neuter mm -hmm. when it comes to gender. You only have masculine, feminine when it comes to sex. So I like to stick to uh, talking about the sexes, right? So what we have here, obviously, is a difference. And, and the way women think uh, versus men on certain issues does not necessarily mean one's right and one's wrong. It, it's good. That, that's why a mother is a mother and has certain nurturing characters. You know, it's good that when, uh, when, when your child falls and busts his lips and he, lip and he comes up and he's bleeding, it's, it's good that, you know, mom is there to – to love on them and, and to wipe the blood up, you know, uh, while dad's kind of laughing and saying, yeah, that's cool, man. That's a man mark. That's cool. You yeah, know, right, uh, right. Or maybe that was just me, you know, but, but it's good, uh, that we have those differences, but those differences are there, uh, in part because God has, uh, you know, a woman has estrogen, 
man has testosterone, and there are a lot of other differences, right? Mm -hmm. but, but those are real differences. So what, what's going to happen if you start taking estrogen away, you start taking testosterone, you start taking certain things that uh, men have, certain things women have, and you start messing with that, mm -hmm. right? Right. Uh, what's going to happen? Well, you know, we're, we're seeing that, right? So I just think it's important for us to at least be aware of because I don't even know that these are issues or these are things that, that most believers, it's even on their radar or, or that they even know. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's probably likely that some believers hear toxic masculinity Yes. and they think that that's like they they will buy into the narrative and so they're trying to figure out how they cannot be a toxic masculinity right when when i think it's a right you made the connection earlier that their definition of toxic masculinity would be biblical manhood they would call that toxic right yeah obviously look if we've got some man you know who's beating his wife rolling things with an iron fist seeing how many beers he can drink and all that. Okay, no, that that's not that's that's not biblical masculinity. Right. Uh but in terms of a man who understands he's to be the loving shepherd of his family, which means he's to be the head of his home. Mhm. Mm uh even as Christ is the head of the church. Mm -hmm. That that's biblical. That's right. that's good. Okay. Um so uh, yeah, and and all of this certainly does tie in because we've got a, a lot of, of guys, you know, thankfully I was raised in a situation where while my father wasn't saved until I was 18 years old, uh, he was he, he was a good role model as as a man. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and and so, you know, he wasn't one of these, uh, you know, pacifist, you know, who think, who think, yeah, who think they're so godly. Oh, yeah, I'm so godly. And if somebody broke in our home, I would just let them rape your mother and sister and, and kill us and look at me. I'm godly. That's not godly. That's stupid. That's mm -hmm. foolish. Yeah. Right. Period. End of sentence. Uh, right. So I, I'm glad I didn't have that example. But but there are a lot of people out there that they don't have. And, you know, I, I think and I think I could prove this biblically if we had time. But, uh, you know, roles like a woman's role in the home and church and society a man's role in home and church and society we can read scripture and see those roles right but i think children need to obviously see them in scripture but when you read something in scripture it's like reading the directions to something right you, you then need to see it yeah right Put you know if i write in. about a car you know and i write a book and it doesn't have pictures but it has all the parts of a car. That gives you the concept, right? Right. But then to see it is to understand really what it is, right? Because then you're taking the concept and, and, and now I see it. And so God has clearly intended that that people, that little girls, little boys see what a biblical man looks like, see what a woman biblical woman looks like right? right and and since we don't see that as much in society and certainly we don't see it i mean years ago uh my dad pointed out i'm, I'm going back now to late 70s early 80s you know where in commercials and everything they begin to portray the man as just a meathead an idiot yeah oh yeah and things like that so this has been underway for a long time so uh so absolutely all of this i think ties into uh the attack on the sexes and most specifically on 
on true biblical manhood. Right. Well, what's the statement? Strong men make for good times. Weak men make for difficult times. Absolutely. So, okay, well, now, you had made a statement. Not sure if it was in the manuscript, or maybe it just came from the spirit, or maybe the flesh. Yeah, but you, sometimes hard to know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But you had said that we are too weak to be sanctified. What did you mean by that statement? Oh, yes, that actually was not in the notes, and it may not have been mentioned in both services, actually, but I, I do remember saying that. I, so so what, I, what I meant was this. I think even as believers, right, we, we are, because we live in a time where, and I think no matter what time you lived in, our, our, our sin nature, we don't like to be confronted. Right, we no. we don't like to be challenged. I Man, Adam and Eve, they didn't. They kept blaming the the other person, right, and right. ran away. So, um, I mean, obviously, this is why Proverbs has to talk about the wound of a friend, right? Mm -hmm. Why does it have to instruct us that way? Because Proverbs is telling us that we're not going to like it at first, right? Um, so, I think it even it certainly goes beyond our culture. It's just uh, part of the sin nature. However. Uh, in our culture today, there certainly is a, a victimhood and, a, and, and such a sensitivity. And so what I meant by that statement and what I mean when I talk about this to people, I don't think I've ever really preached on that per se, but I preach on a victim mentality, but not too yeah. weak to be sanctified. But what I mean is, you know, in order for us to be sanctified, part of sanctification, right? Sanctification, part of it is is the suffering uh, part of it is, is you know, sanctification we're being chipped away at right. and molded in the image of Christ. Right. Um, and with that comes some difficult times, right? Yeah. And part of that is just when, when we're wrong on things or uh, we need our brains, our minds to be recalibrated, our thinking to be recalibrated on things, we, we don't like to be challenged on anything. And that's what I meant. Like, for instance, today... A great thing to do for young parents, and look, I didn't always do this, but I tell you, I think from the time I was mid-30s, you know, my first child was born at 30, so by the time mid-30s, I was asking guys, and I would get together with, with, with uh, guys and, and have coffee and this and that, and I would ask them about parenting, and I listened, and I kind of spit out the bones, mm -hmm. right, uh, like eating fish, but... I took in a lot of what they said and found it to be very beneficial in my parenting. But I think today, uh, I don't know that a lot of believers seek it out. And then if somebody is talking to them, I think they take such offense at it. And it's kind of like, you know, how can the whole Titus 2 ever take place? Right. Because if every time I bring something up, right. you recoil in defense. Right. Right. And look, there certainly are older people that just because they're older, you know, they're not wise. Mm -hmm. um, but there are some that are quite wise. Right. So, I mean, the Bible talks about uh, this. So that's what I meant. I'm just saying that we, we tend to be so offended already that we just don't want to sit down. And, hey, we're having trouble with finances or quite frankly, we don't know how to properly handle our finances. But we don't want to sit down and have somebody talk to us because we're offended when they tell us, that we suck at handling finances or, <laughs> hey, you know, yeah. here's some things that might help parenting. Oh, you're saying I'm a terrible parent. Right. No. Right. Uh, I was just trying to be biblical here. You know? Which then even kind of goes back to last week's episode where it's, everything's driven by emotions. 
right. and the way we right. feel rather than this clear thinking on what God says. Right. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12 where he says in regards to the discipline of the Lord. Yeah. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight the path for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, mm, yeah. but rather be healed. Like the acknowledgement there is that it is tough. Absolutely. Right? The sanctification, the training for righteousness, it is difficult. Yeah, that's But right. it's a sign of God's love. And once we're trained by it, Hebrews 12 says it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Yeah. But if you're not tough enough to learn the lesson in the thick of it, yeah, right. there's no fruit. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I think that I don't know that I've ever... I don't know that I've ever had spiritual growth that didn't involve feeling uh, uh, offended at some point because mm-hmm. somebody, you know, a brother or sister that really loves me said something or talked to me about something uh, that I really needed to hear, but yeah. I didn't like it right away. Right. You know, right. so I mean, uh, oftentimes on the human level, you know, there there needs to be offense before there can be growth. Right. You know. Yeah. So. That's good. All right. Well, so we have clearly seen that the scripture says believers will be persecuted for Christ's sake. How then? Hmm. Yeah. Like, how then does that tie into our cultural engagement, and most specifically regarding the government? Hmm. Yeah. And what you know, what I mean. Would this lead us to the conclusion that we should just be quiet and accept our persecution? <laughs> yeah, and that's a good question, especially because a lot of people use uh, passages in Peter, you know, to kind of suggest that. And, you know, obviously Peter's whole point there, right, is you're being persecuted because you're a Christian. Now, that can be by other other people in the society, and or the government, right? So it can just be by your neighbors. Right. Um, it can be by people, uh, obviously in our context, right? It can be by people of uh, false religions and so forth. But um, but when it comes to the government, no, I, I don't think Peter uh, w- was saying that that means you just sit back and take it. Uh, what it does mean is we should expect it. And right. that there is going to be some persecution where we're not going to have any recourse for it legally and so forth, okay? Right. Um, but, I mean, we, we can think of Romans 13, right? And, and, and there's a context here where we have to understand that we, we live, we're not ruled by the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we, I'm speaking as an American. Sure, right. Okay, we, we live in a republic. It's important to note. Not a democracy. Not a democracy. It is a republic. Right. We live in a republic. And so part of this means uh, we have certain legal recourse uh, and we can vote and, you know, those sort of things. So so the idea that we should just kind of Quaker this, Mm -hmm. you know, and retreat from society, and that's not at all. Yeah. What what I see there. In fact, again, Paul. Paul was no Quaker, right? Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm going to – we're going to whip you. Hey, time out. I'm a Roman citizen. Right. Well, okay, should Paul, was he in sin there? Should he have just said, no, you're going to whip me because I'm a Christian, so I'm going to take my persecution. In fact, don't give me 39, 1 minus, you know, 40 minus 1. Give me 41. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to really be spiritual here. No, what does he do? He says, oh, by the way, I've got Roman citizenship. Right. Yes, he, he knew his citizenship was in heaven. He got that, but he appeals to his Roman citizenship, right? Mm-hmm. 
and says, as a result of that, you're not supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, So there's nothing wrong with us pointing to the Constitution. And, and what was Paul saying? Well, Paul was saying to the Roman official, there's something above you. Right. And it's this written law. And there's nothing wrong with us saying to our government officials. That there's a law higher that, than you. Yeah, them. there's something higher than you. It's, yeah. it's the Constitution. Okay. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, that would be uh, wise. Uh, so, so no, there, there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, we, we have to recognize that even as we do that, I mean, look, there's coming a day quickly approaching in our culture. I mean, they already don't care about the Constitution, right? Right. So we can make all those appeals and that sort of thing, but we're still going to be thrown in jail and uh, be persecuted, lose jobs, those sort of things. And when that happens, we just need to accept it. Uh, give it over to the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, but but using those things, using the law, using those things for recourse, uh, there's obviously nothing wrong with it because Paul did it. Yeah, Amen. Which I I you know it's sad, but I think a lot of Christians misunderstand what's happening there in Romans 13, and then how Paul sure. does references Roman citizenship. So for all the hammerheads out there that weren't here when we did righteous resistance, this is a Great time to go back and check that out because Mike did a whole, I think it was what, six or seven part series? Uh, I think it might have been eight, but yeah. Yeah, but we did a whole series right there on righteous resistance and what that looks like um, as we relate yeah. to the government, as Christians relate to the government, the culture around us. Yeah, that's so. right. And look, I do think that that Peter particularly, but uh, even Romans 13, but but most specifically Peter, I think I think what Peter does is give us and and kind of an emergency break. Mm-hmm. Right, because as a Christian, okay, if we don't have that, then next thing you know, we're, we're, we could be zealots who are actually leading an uprising. Right. We don't want to do that, but there's a big difference between uh, saying, "Look, I've got a First Amendment right. I've mm-hmm. got a Second Amendment right." Okay, there's a big difference between that and saying, "Okay, we're going to now go overthrow the entire government." Right. Okay. Even though the preamble to the Constitution does talk about uh, American citizens, uh, you know, banding together and, and doing that, should that ever be needed? But that's right. for a whole other time. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying, that's I think Peter, I think, I think it gives us a good emergency break. So we don't want to go too far either way. Yeah. We we don't want to Quaker it, right? Right. Uh, but we we don't want to be zealots, and and I could use some examples from church history. In fact. Some believers, uh, most specifically our our Baptist brethren, uh, would you know they were quite zealous around the Reformation and so forth, and and some of the reformers, most specifically Calvin, that's that's kind of all he knew, yeah, and uh, gave them a very bad taste in their mouth uh, about that. But again, that's a whole other topic too, but an interesting one. Yeah, yeah, we got we just got topics. We've got content on the roll. Okay, all right. Snurdly, yes, yeah, all right. It's He says it's time. It's time for the fan favorite, friends. Well, get, there's the vault. Yeah, all right. All right, here we are. We're ready for the, we're ready for the Inquisition. Now, let me turn into the vault. Oh, yeah. All right. I, here we go. All right, good, good. I've got here... I have here in my formerly East Coast wing stained fingers with the Jamaican jerk, or was it the habanero 
I think it might have been the habanero this most recent time. But yes, I have here in my hands the Inquisition. Now, this one is, must have been written recently because it says, in light of the protest in Washington, D.C. several days ago, those protests were in support of Palestine. Mm, yeah. How should Christians respond? Hmm, yeah. No, that's a good question. There's a lot Which, of people there for those protests, too. I I was shocked. Yeah, I saw drone footage of it. I was shocked. Yes, I must have seen the same footage. Now, I didn't verify the footage. Yeah, I didn't verify it okay. either. But, it, um, but that, if there were that many people, you know, that that's unbelievable. Right. Uh, that we have that many people in this nation thinking that. I mean, keep in mind that Hamas uh, wants to, they don't want land. They want to destroy the Jews and the Christians. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. Because well, so, I think it's helpful to note that being pro-Palestine, that's an innocuous term that actually carries with it what you were just saying. Right. Right? That it's a, we want to take back the land. And annihilate the Jews, etc. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, look, it's you know I don't want to get off on a political thing, but you know this this is what happens when you uh, import your enemies. Yep. You know, and right. years ago, you know, it was whispered that you know, hey, we can't beat the United States militarily; we'll take them over from the inside, and this is what is taking place before our eyes. Okay. So that's one thing, but but in but in terms of you know how should a Christian think? But you know we have to remember again this isn't about that Hamas is a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. Okay, they perpetrated an attack on another nation. Right. Okay. If this was Canada doing this to the United States. Right then, then can't, nobody's ever said the Canadians are God's chosen people and all that. So, you, so, so take that out of it. Right, and you have some. You have a terrorist attack here. Right, but we need a ceasefire. Yeah, right, right, have a exactly. That's what people are gonna, so I think the biggest thing for believers is you simply cannot. And, and I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it. Do not believe anything you hear on the mainstream media. Yeah, Satan is the prince of the power of the air of this world. Right. This means we should expect that what we read and what we hear is almost always lies and not true. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we have to be truth seekers, which was another series we preached on, right? Yeah, that's right. That's and right. primarily in Scripture, yes. But even in our daily lives outside of Scripture, we need to be truth seekers. We need to know how to decipher truth, fact, from fiction. Right. Uh, and this is another important thing. So it should it should not be. And let me tell you something. This this whole thing's gaining traction. You know, I, I I complained to you about ten years ago when I began to notice that my pastor friends that were my age and and younger, uh, all of a sudden they were very soft when they would preach on abortion. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they would still say it's wrong and everything, but but they were very soft on it. It was not like hearing an Adrian Rogers or Jerry Falwell senior preach on it right um and okay so and and now i'm engaging in conversation with different pastors and it's kind of like oh you know we don't know what to say to the people but oh you know because i mean the palestinians are people you know they're made in god's image Uh, okay yes yes they are this was a terrorist attack right 
That's right. Okay. They were murdering children. This was a terrorist attack. We're not talking about Palestinians who are looking for some sort of extra land. Okay, it's two state things not going to work. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. They want to annihilate people. Right. All right. So we need to know that. We need to make that clear to people. Okay, we're not saying we support Israel uh, in their unbelief. Uh, you know. Even though, you know, because they're God's chosen people. So because of Genesis 12, you know, we've already talked about this and dealt with this. Mm -hmm. But we'll have to continue to do it because there's new people coming, new people listening. They need to hear this. Right. They need to know how to think through this, right? Right. Uh, But we're not just going to open up Genesis 12 to say that, you know, therefore we're going to support everything that Israel as a nation does. If Israel, unprovoked, for no reason, had just gone into another nation, and began to bomb them and then made it clear, look, we're going to kill every Palestinian. We're going to annihilate every. We're going to eradicate every Syrian. You know, mm-hmm. if they went into another land and said that, we would be saying we're against them. Right, right. Okay? So it, it just takes some common sense and and knowing what's going on and not buying into Satan's narrative, the narrative that you will hear on mainstream media. Maybe we ought to start calling it Satan's media. Oh, Satan's media. I was going to say drive-by media, as the great one used to say, but I like that. Satan's media. Yeah, So, but much more. And as this continues to develop and go on, uh, I'm sure we'll say more about it as people ask us questions. Sure, that's and, right. And so They get submitted to the vault. <laughs> All right, friends, That's that brings us to a close. Thank you for joining us, and sit tight, sit back, sit tight, and we will see you in 168 hours.